Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right. Well, um, we're going to be moving into um, the kind of the last section of our series. We've been working through a series since the fall that we've called Built Together. Um, And so the first couple sections of this series, kind of the opening thing, we just talked about like community. What should church community look like? And core elements that kind of anchor us in community. You know, community that worships and uh, a place that's healing where we live in real awareness of one another and and love and care for one another and and on from there. Talked about several things. Then we moved into a section about just the gifts that the Lord gives us to equip the whole body and that we would be discovering these gifts that God gives that are used to love and serve and minister and ultimately build up the body of Christ. And so that's, that's where we've been And now we're moving into our third section. And it was awesome hearing Pastor Jonathan's um, sermon from last Sunday. Obviously, I missed it in person, but got to go on a walk on Friday and listen to it. And man, him and I had like talked maybe this much about what he was talking about. And it was, it is the perfect segue into what we're moving into next. And we are talking about um, what it means for a church body to be mature, or maybe even a better word would be healthy. And so as, as we talk through these things over the next few weeks, it's vital that we hear this on an individual level. Like that is, that is true. Like it starts with our own walk with Jesus. But it would be easy to hear some of these things that we're gonna be talking about that, that invite us into maturity in Christ and just think of them in our own tiny little silo of like me as an individual, my walk with God. Or maybe my own little silo of like me and my family. But a big part of what we're talking about is a church community that walks in health and maturity. And so there's a sense of like, are we becoming this together? And so yes, hear it in your own personal walk with Jesus, but don't stop there. Like, let's think about this collectively. And that can be our own local body here at Grace Chapel, but like the church, like the church in Knoxville ought to look healthy and mature. And we're gonna, we would see elements of these things we're gonna be talking about within the local body, like here, and then like regionally, nationally, globally. All right, does that, does that make sense? Hopefully it will as we go further into this. And so um, just by way of reminder, kind of our, our anchor verse for this series is from Ephesians 2.22. Um, Jacob, I don't think this is in the slides, but I'll just read it really quick. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's our prayer. That's our desire, is that we are being formed. We are being built together. And it's a place where God is. He's welcomed. He's invited. He's allowed to be in charge. And we experience his presence together. So there's four key components we will explore over the next four Sundays. 
um, that all contribute to this. I'm deeply indebted to Pastor Dave Buring on a lot of levels. He's impacted my life in a lot of ways. Um, but I learned this from him years ago. And you, you begin to see, like once he pointed this out, like you see it throughout the gospels and what Jesus said, and then you see it in the life of the church in Acts, that there are kind of four key components that if, if you take away any of them, something's missing from the church. And you see all four of these components in things that Jesus taught his disciples, and we see them reflected in the early church in Acts. And they're the things that contribute to maturity and health and, and a church that really has kingdom impact. Like it's healthy within the body, within the relationships in the body, and it's having real impact in the community. And so these four things are, number one, the presence of God. The presence of God. Far be it from us that we would ever do all the stuff on our own. A church can look like it's got it all together. It's planned, it's organized, we're accomplishing things. And without the presence of God, we're missing it completely. The presence of God is vital. Fellowship, community, and we've talked a lot about community, but there's some very specific things that relate to health and maturity that come from community life. And so we can't be disconnected. Like we could be experiencing the presence of God individually, but if we're not, if we're not doing that collectively, we're missing it. The third piece is discipleship. Like we absolutely come as we are, broken people in need of Jesus but we're meant to grow and to mature in our walk with him. And that's not, that's not a sense of like responsibility or heaviness or legalism, although often the church has communicated it that way, but it's, it's life. It flows out of being anchored in real relationship with the Lord. It flows out of healthy relationship with one another. We grow and mature. We are discipled and we make disciples. And the fourth piece that's vital is outreach. It's thinking outside ourselves, not just getting caught up in our own little bubble of friendship and community, but seeing outside of ourselves to a world in need of Jesus. And so all four of these are key components of maturity. And so um, I loved, how many of you guys got to hear Pastor Jonathan's message last Sunday, either in person or later? A lot of you did. If you missed it, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen. Um, there was so much that I loved about it, but one of the things that was my favorite was his Jenga analogy. Y'all know the game Jenga, and then when you start pulling the pieces out, eventually it falls over. Like, this is, this is interconnected. And what he was talking about last week was interconnected. And these aren't four individual components. We're gonna approach them on four different Sundays to each give them their due, but they, they, they work together. And so this morning, we're gonna be talking about the presence of God. And it is like the backbone, the anchor of all of this. So let's pray one more time. And like corporately, let's thank God for his presence and invite him to, to guide us this morning. And that we would hear this individually and we would hear it as, as a collective, as a group. And so Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. God, may we never take for granted just the gift of your presence. Lord, what a gift that you are available and present, that you love us. You're not a distant father. You are near. Thank you that Jesus, that your message 
was that the kingdom is here. It's at hand. It's available because the king is at hand and near and available. And so, Lord, we thank you for your gracious presence. Lord, I I pray that individually and as a people, we would be rooted in living relationship with you. That we would be sensitive and aware of your presence. God, that we would purpose in our hearts to do nothing apart from you. That in in our lives, in our homes, God, in the activity of church life, Lord, that we wouldn't just fall into the rhythm of the stuff that we do, but we would be aware of and sensitive to and seeking your presence and your guidance through it all. Be our teacher and our guide this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so as a, as a launching off point, you know, I really thought about, okay, I'm, I'm throwing out these four things as anchors and I don't wanna just say that and we go, okay, just because I said these four things are really important, you take my word for that. And so there's a lot of places I believe we could see these throughout scripture, but as our launching off point, I wanna use the familiar words of Jesus. We often call this the great commission, but in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, We're going to look at verses 18 through 20, and I want you to see these four things in what Jesus was talking about here. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just remember that for a second. Before he tells us all the stuff he's calling us to, he says, hey, the power resides where? Him. It resides in him. He has it. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, the one who has all authority is where? I am with you always to the end of the age. Presence. The very thing we're gonna need to walk any of this out is the presence of God. We're relying on him and his presence. And so Jesus saying, I have all authority, I have all power, and I'm with you. Like, yeah, I'm asking you to go and and live something out, but I'm not sending you away from me out on your own. I'm with you. I have what you need, so learn to rely upon me. Recognize my presence with you. And so we see that there. Community and fellowship, you know, that word baptize, like, yes, there, this is describing like water baptism, but baptism is about a whole new way of living. It's taking on a new identity. It's coming into a new community. It's the community that's anchored in God. It's his community. And so we're called into that community and then that ought to begin to produce something. We become disciples and we make disciples. Like, I would encourage you, I don't know what your background or view of discipleship is, but it's not just about personal growth. Like, the very word disciple holds within it the idea that that I'm growing and learning, and I intend to pass this on. I am going to be a disciple maker. And so he says, make disciples, teach them to observe all I have commanded you. Invite people into this way of life, walking with Jesus. 
outreach, mission. We're to go. There are people who need to know and hear about Jesus to be invited into this life and community. And so he says, go. He says, go. So the presence of God, that's what we're talking about this morning. So I wanna start by doing something that can be risky. Um, It shouldn't be, but I wanna read a lot of scripture. (laughs) And when I say it could be risky, I don't mean like it's risky to read scripture. It's important to read scripture. But, you know, sometimes if you, if you read a bunch of passage, it's like, are, are we going to tune out? Are we going to miss it? Are we going to lose it? It's like, no, no, no. We need the word to speak for itself. And so I've got three main points this morning. My first point, I just kind of want to let the word speak for itself. I might make a couple comments after we've read all of these, but I, I really want you to hear this. And so there is, there is much scripture that we could draw from or point to that emphasizes the need for the presence of God. And not just the need, the gift of the presence of God. And what I wanna do is take a look at Jesus' words. And what you might wanna do even sometime soon this week is sit down with these few chapters and go through them yourself with the Lord and just ask him to highlight things to you that he wants to highlight. But you know, if if you're spending your last evening with people and you know it's your last night, like Jesus knows I'm going to the cross and he gets his very last night with a group of people, don't you think it might be important what he decides to emphasize and talk about on that last night that he has with them? Wouldn't you say this is probably really, really crucial? Like he wants these words ringing in their ears. And so in John's gospel, chapters 14 through 17, as Jesus spends this last night with his disciples, the primary thing that he's emphasizing, he touches on several things, but it all kind of flows out of this primary thing that he's emphasizing is his own intimacy with the Father and encouraging his disciples to cultivate that intimacy themselves. That's what he's emphasizing his own deep intimacy and connection, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and his heart, his desire that that would be cultivated among his followers. And so I've just grabbed some of this out of these chapters. I'm just gonna read through it. Um, But again, I'd encourage you, read it all on your own. I, I flirted with the idea of reading all four of these chapters and decided against it. Maybe I should have. Um, But here we go. John 14, verses six and seven. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Intimacy, relationship, his presence. John 14, verses 10 and 12. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do 
and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Verses 16 and 17 and verse 20. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you occasionally when you gather every so often on a Sunday morning forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Intimacy, relationship, the presence of God. Dwell, home, in, with, seen, known. Think of all those words Jesus is using. Even any action that he points to that, that he accomplished in his life or that he's telling us we're invited into in the kingdom of God. What's it rooted in? Intimacy, relationship. It flows out of that. John 15, we will come back to when we get to point two in a moment. But it's, it's got a lot more of this language and this picture of connection and intimacy in it. I want to move to John 17. This is Jesus' prayer. And you are in this prayer. He prays over his disciples in that moment and he prays over those who will yet come to know him in the future. A few more verses from this. John 17, three. And this is eternal life, that they work really hard and do stuff and accomplish things on earth. No. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is in relationship. Verse 10, all mine are yours. Remember, he's praying, he's talking to the Father. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Verses 20 and 21. I do not ask you for these only, but for all those who believe in me through their word. There you are. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 26, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you think it might be important to Jesus that we be deeply connected to God? It was vital in his own life his lifeline was spending time with the Father. 
when all, of, all the miracles and all the busyness and a day would wrap up, where did he go? To be with God, to spend time with the Father. He craved, he carved out time for, he enjoyed intimacy with the Lord. And when the disciples like watched and observed his life, when, when they were asking him like, man, we see all this stuff that, that comes from his life. What was the thing they asked him to teach them? How to pray. They saw his life and ministry and they said, teach us to pray like that. We, we can say some words. They might even sound really religious and regal and important, but you've got something because it's the language of relationship, the language of knowing, the language of intimacy. See, friends, this same thing that we would consider foundational and the starting point, right? Like coming to salvation is about knowing God and being in relation with him. That same thing that is foundational, it is also the thing that is the, the biggest sign of maturity, this isn't just for like our kids in, in their class, although man, this ought to be instilled in them at a young age that they can know and walk with God, that they can have a real relationship with him. This is actually the sign of maturity. How, how does that work? Because as we're spending time around the father, things are changing. Things are happening. We're enjoying him. We're getting to know him and we become more like him. And the life that we're receiving from him begins to rub off on other people around us. See, all the community and the discipleship and the outreach, the source of that is there is a God who is life, who loves us deeply. And what we all need is communion with God. And so, friends, this isn't like, okay, cool, yeah, we talk about experiencing God and having a relationship with him. And man, Jake, there's not a lot new we're learning this morning. This isn't about learning something new. It's about what anchors us. Like, I don't, I don't ever wanna get in the rhythm of attending a Sunday service or an elder board meeting or a Bible study in somebody's home or rolling up our sleeves to demo over at the church building or any of the things we might gather and do and doing those somehow apart from the Lord or just taking for granted, well, I'm doing his stuff, so he must be with us. Like we need to crave his presence just for who he is. And then for all the wonderful benefits, like he gives guidance, he gives help, he gives direction. Maybe there's stuff he called us to do and we've been doing it for a while and then we just assume we're supposed to keep doing that and he's going, hey, hold on, new season, Something else going on here. I wish, I wish you'd talk to me about this for a minute. Because I got something fun I'd like for us to do together. And so may, may we be anchored and rooted in this. And so listen, what's the application of this? I mean, it's almost endless. <laughs> but some things we ought to be thinking about as a body is like, as a church community, this should be absolutely central. That in our corporate worship, our heart is to be with God. Like I'm not here to check off a religious box or do the thing I'm supposed to do. I can come and gather with God's people and be in his presence. And so whether it's in our corporate root worship, times of fellowship, we're studying the word, decision-making. 
Like when we're making decisions, are, are we desperate for the presence of God and his guidance and his direction? Serving, outreach, like, Lord, who are you calling us to? How are you calling us to that? Lord, will you be with us as we serve and minister in these ways? Before all that we do, through all that we do, after all that we do, before, during, and after, the presence of God is vital. He's the breath in our lungs. I pray that this is a reminder, that it's an encouragement, um, and that this is like a regular litmus test for us individually and as a church. Like, are we aware of and pursuing and sensitive to and responsive to the presence of God? He's available and he's alive and he's with us. And what a gift that we can enjoy that relationship with him. Amen? The presence of God. So why is this tied to maturity? I want to give you two, two basic things of how this ties us to maturity. And so let's go to John 15 uh, for the first point. John 15 is this, this whole passage about abiding in him. Does that ring a bell? Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, right? The father does some tending to the vine, some pruning, some removing. Like there's this whole idea of, of this life-giving thing that grows and produces fruit. And so we're gonna read a few of these verses. Um, John 15, I'm gonna start in uh, verse four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding produces fruit. In fact, it's the only way to produce fruit. I think so much of the stuff that gets sideways in church, it kind of just amounts to the church trying to like tape fruit onto a dead tree and call it good. <laughs> That's what we're doing if we're trying to do the stuff apart from being connected to him. I'm trying to be good, live good, accomplish good, do the stuff. And it's not anchored in just being deeply connected to God. Then, then there's no life in it. And in fact, it's the opposite of having life in it. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown to fire and burned. Now you can, you can read that as just like the judgment of God. And I don't want to diminish that, but like he's just stating a fact of what happens. Like when something is not connected to the source of life, what happens to it? It, it withers away. And once it's withered away, what happens? It dies. It just does. Guys, the church desperately needs to be connected to the giver of life. And listen, I think at times the church gets an a unfair bad name because we're real people who make mistakes and mess up. But also a lot of what the world sees 
is a church that like externally is try, kind of trying to go, here's the stuff. But like if we aren't deeply connected with the God who loves us, that's the source of life, people are going to f- spot it. <laughs> They're going to see it and go, why would I want to participate in that? There's no life in that. You don't even seem very happy. For someone who's born again and saved and connected to God who is love, you sure seem really angry and bitter and burnt out. And I, I, I just, I'm the only one that's ever seen that or experienced it, right? And listen, the truth is I've been in those dead burnout places. And it's usually, usually the issue is not, I, I'm not doing enough. I'm not connected to the source. In fact, sometimes the very things I'm doing for the king are the things keeping me from being connected to the king. Like I become so busy doing this stuff that I'm missing the main thing. And so we're connected to the vine. It's a gift, it's life, it's health. And so it's essential for the church to be healthy and mature because because what happens like when a tree is getting all the life and the nutrients that it needs, it grows and it gets strong and it gets healthy. And what is the natural byproduct that happens? It produces fruit. It produces fruit. He goes on verses nine through 11. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Like, what a gift. (laughs) Jesus is like, I am so convinced of the Father's great love, and I have enjoyed it, and I've received it, and it's a gift that is to be shared and enjoyed by you. Look at his love. And then I love this. He he begins to connect things that, that flow out of us, like real fruit that shows up. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. How often have we associated joy with obedience in our Christian circles? Usually it's like, oh, now we're getting to the hard stuff that's no good, trying to do all the right things. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a direct correlation from being connected in intimacy with me and enjoying my love where you will want to live out this life you are invited into because it's filled with love and it's life-giving and it's gonna produce joy. Abiding is about enjoying the love of God and learning to live that out. It's the activity that comes along with abiding love. There's just this activity that comes with it where I'm, I'm enjoying him and then I begin to be a carrier of that love and other people are getting tastes of the love of God through my life. Not because I'm anything of myself, but because I'm just, I'm learning to live this as a way of life. I love this, John 15 verses 14 through 16. And listen, I believe it's right and it's appropriate. There's all these descriptive words in scripture. One of the things we're called is servants of God. Like, and I believe in servant leadership. I think that's a healthy way of operating. But I love what Jesus does right here. Remember, he's talking to people who've lived with him for several years now. And he says to them in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Isn't that interesting? It's about friendship. 
It's about intimacy. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. There, there will be activity, serving, things that come along with obedience, that come along with intimacy. But like they're, they're like a natural outflow of that. As I'm getting to know God, I'm getting his insight into what's happening in the world around me. I want to think about this practically for a minute. Like in your home, if you're desperate to see the abiding presence of God in your home, bringing love and peace and joy, like permeating your home, one of the things that this is saying, that Jesus is saying is, if we're in intimacy with him, if we're abiding in him, and we begin putting into practice the life of Jesus, there is this friendship, this connection, and God begins to share with us what's going on. And he can give some insight that says, hey, you're wondering what's going on with your kids? Here's a little glimpse of what's going on with your kids. Because I know you, and I know your child, I know your spouse, and I want you to get an insight into what's going on here so you can love well, so you can experience my presence in y'all's, in your midst. Is this making sense? Are y'all, like Jesus saying, oh, he'll make this known to you. And, the, and then I love this, like he chose us. Man, just that pursuit of God to, to come for us. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Like we can muster up some change for a season, but like abiding health, abiding maturity, abiding fruit, that comes from being just connected to the vine. Loving obedience is about intimate friendship with God. We are with him, and so we are becoming like him. If his life is pouring into us, then that's what we are living off of. It's what we're growing in, and the natural byproduct will be that fruit that comes. Um, Jesus tells a couple of parables about a sower. And we're probably most familiar um, with, with the parable found. It's in Mark's gospel, chapter four. It's also in Matthew, chapter 13, and other, I think Luke has it as well. Um, you know, with the different kinds of soil, right? But you know, there's another parable about a sower that, that Jesus gave. And actually he gave it in Mark's gospel right within the same passage. I wanna read this, Mark four, verses 26 through 29. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and he sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. I love that. Like there's almost like a blessed ignorance of like, I just sowed the seed and I just sort of trusted that it was gonna do its thing. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I like to call this the absent-minded farmer. Like, just, man, that it gets planted in and it's just there. It's in the soil and it's doing its stuff. And I just kind of get to trust God that it's gonna work itself out. How much of our attempts in the church 
at health and maturity really just boil down to us expending a lot of energy and striving to accomplish something. When the gift is just being planted in him and trusting in the results. Like just knowing him, being connected to him, enjoying that relationship. And if we're just soaking, soaking up that relationship with Jesus, what he's telling us is like, don't worry about it. Your life's gonna look different. You're gonna experience a little more peace and a little more joy. Your spouse might look at you and go, wow, things are, things are a little different around here. Because you helped whip him or her into shape? No, because we're abiding in Jesus and his life is growing in us. Now listen, there is, there is you know, pruning and justice, but even that, it's really about being in his hands and letting him do that work. You know, I, I'd encourage you, this is just kind of for reflection because I'm gonna move, move to point three here in just a moment. Um, but just for reflection, I'd encourage you to, to dive into these three passages. Um, the one I just read, Mark 4, 26 and 29. What if we just allowed ourselves to be invited into just that trustful abiding, that trustful abiding, that the natural byproduct of that would be producing fruit. And then spend time in Mark 4, 3 through 9 is the story with the different soils. And then verses 13 through 20 is Jesus' explanation of what all that means. Um, But view it as like a guide to pruning that helps us be fruitful. And it's really like, who does the pruning? The father does the pruning. So even those soils he might highlight is not work I need to go do. It's like, okay, Lord, would you help prune out those rocks, those thorns, those things that are getting in the way that I might be fruitful. And then we, we know Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you could probably even sing a song that goes with it or something, right? The fruit of the spirit. But I love that it's like, it's, it's one fruit, you know, some of us might naturally be kinder than others, just kind of in our own even wiring and personality. Some of us might be a little more gentle than others or peaceful. But like to have all of that fruit at work in your life, how many of you know we're gonna need Jesus' help on that one? But it's, it's this byproduct. And so, so maturity, being anchored in a relationship with God, maturity will produce fruit. And, and guys, I just wanna say, the primary fruit described in scripture is, is a character that is being refined. It's not the stuff we go do. It's, it's the character of God in our lives. This is who we become. It's who we become. And so maturity produces fruit. Point number three, maturity reproduces Jesus in us. Like, in other words, I'm not just the one growing and being fruitful, but I reproduce. Like, I don't want to get too graphic here, but like, what is a mature adult in an intimate relationship? And we experience the joy of intimacy. And what comes from the joy of that intimacy? We reproduce. Like, what if, what if we thought about that in the context of our relationship with the Lord? I'm enjoying intimacy with God. There is joy in that relationship. And as I'm growing in that deep connection with him, that intimacy with him, I'm getting to know who he is and what he's like. And I'm seeing, wow, God is really good. And he's producing really good stuff in my life. And out of that intimacy, like just a natural byproduct is, 
we will begin to selflessly love other people. Like you raise some kids and that's some sacrificial love right there. Like I thought when I got married, I was learning about sacrifice. That's my dad, by the way. Yeah, that's the laugh that I should have gotten. Um, listen, I thought it was a stretch, like getting married and living with another person. Wow, I'm really learning about sacrificial love. And then we had some kids and that'll really teach you about sacrificial love. But see, even in the hardest moments of that, there's joy because like, these are my kids. Even when they're blowing it, I probably even see some of myself in them like, oh, that's that rascal. That was me coming out in them. Or those things I love about my spouse, but they also kind of drive me crazy about my spouse. But then I see that in my kids, right? Like this is like producing godly character, producing fruit. It's, a, it's not something we strive for. It's a natural byproduct. And then investing in the lives of other people, like quite literally your own children, but also like spiritual children. Like it is, it is such a joy to see God at work in other people's lives. I got to be a part of that. And it's not me, it's his life in me, right? Think about it. What does the fruit carry in it? The fruit from the tree, what does it carry in it? The seed for new life, for another tree to be planted and grow. I want to just close by reading a couple verses from, from Acts to wrap this up. But I just, I want us to see this through the lens, not just of the power of God, but of relationship with a powerful God. All right. So Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Think about that in terms of intimacy. Because he told us the Holy Spirit was a gift from God so that we could abide in him and he could abide in us. So this, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Yes, power comes with that. But the, the power is God's with me and in me and connected to me. And you will be my witnesses. Notice what he says. You just will be my witnesses. Like he doesn't say like the Holy Spirit will come upon you and then maybe eventually you'll get your act together and decide to go be witnesses. He's like, when you experience the life-changing power of my presence in your life, it is so gonna permeate your being that other people are, are gonna hear about it. And a witness just talks about how good God is. Here's what I've witnessed. Here's what I've experienced. And it's gonna go forth and spread into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. The abiding presence of God experienced through the gift of the Holy Spirit brings power to reproduce. Brings power to reproduce. So then we know what happens, right? Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit shows up. Acts two, one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's, it's so easy to focus on the miraculous components of this story. And they should be seen and celebrated and I don't wanna minimize that. But guys, the miracle here is that people were united in common purpose, seeking the presence of God, and what happened? God actually showed up. 
They experienced, that's, his, that's the miracle. The presence of God was with them. Like you can't get 120 people to agree on anything. And they agreed to hang out in a room together for days and purposed, well, Jesus told us not to go anywhere without the presence of God. So we're gonna stay right here till we got it. And they prayed and they saw Acts 1.14 says it. They, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. What is that? Prayer. It's just the language of intimacy. It's connection with God. They devoted themselves to seeking the presence of God. And that was, that was enough. They had known Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They'd been discipled. And the presence of God came and that was enough. Last, last set of verses. Verses five and six, and I'm gonna skip down to verse 11. Now they were dwelling, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then they described what they were hearing in verse 11. It says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They were abiding in the presence of God. They received his presence and got, they received from him the power to reproduce. And how were they able to reproduce? They were able to tell of God's mighty works to that generation in their own language. We have a unique generation, not just in our day, we have a unique generation in Knoxville. Like there's Knoxville people. And then there's non-Knoxville people who are moving to Knoxville. And there's all these different people with their own, like, I don't just mean like different literal language. A lot of them, most of them are speaking English, but like their own language, their own stuff that they're facing, things that they're going through. But what's in common is we need Jesus. We need the giver of life. And as, as, as we as a community, as a church, as individuals, when we are committed to cultivating that sense of intimacy and connection with God, enjoying his presence. And he begins to produce fruit in our lives. And the character of Jesus is shining out of us. And we encounter the people around us who are hungry. The power of God is gonna enable us to speak their language. It's not about trying to be relevant. It's sharing the love of God with people that are hungry. I don't have to stress or worry about how I'm gonna say it or how I'm gonna communicate it because I'm just connected to the source of life and he loves them and he cares about them and he knows how to speak their language. And so he'll give us what we need when we need it to share the love of Jesus. Amen? So the heart of this, the heart of this is that we would be a people rooted in the presence of God that we would seek him regularly, faithfully, individually in our homes and at any time we gather where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there. That we would prioritize that. And then we would see the fruit of a mature body of believers where the fruit of the spirit is like the norm in our midst. Not perfection, but health. And where we as individuals are reproducing. Listen, one of the primary reasons that our church looks the way it does and has grown the way that it has, that kind of slow, steady thing, and even the reason why you look, there's not a lot of like programs filling up the week. And 
while there will be things that we organize and do at times, like our heart for, for being who we're called to be and reaching people for Jesus is not about a handful of people doing the stuff and emphasizing a preacher or emphasizing a band or emphasizing a gathering every now and then that stirs up a lot of attention. The idea is about being committed that we are the church. Yes, there's some staff. Yes, there's some leadership. But that's just to help equip all of us to be the church. And that we all would be growing in health and maturity. And so we're going to do things like meet our neighbors, meet our coworkers, encounter people throughout the week that are right here in our own backyard that God's calling us to because we are his body in the world and we all can reproduce because we're connected to the source of life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. God, that you love us, that you redeem us, and you invite us into a lifelong and eternal relationship. God, I pray that individually and as a people, that this local church body, God, would be committed to being connected to you. Walking in and experiencing intimacy with you. And God, as we do that, thank you that we can, we can just trust the results of what you're gonna produce. Like at times you're gonna be pruning us and that's not gonna feel great. We recognize that. But God, you do it out of deep love for us. And in relationship with you, your life begins to grow and mature in us. God, may, may we be a body that's healthy because you are here and you are in charge. God, may we seek you regularly, enjoy you often, and just get to watch the fruit of godly character and, and your life reproduced in a city that needs you. God, we need you. Our marriages need you. Our children need you. God, our friendships, this community needs you. And we thank you that you are the source of life and you are present, and you are active, and we are invited to abide in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.